everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Today we are going to talk about the buying process and everything that's involved. Uh, we're also going to try and answer a lot of questions that you've sent in and some that we got from previous podcasts. Marianne's going to help us facilitate that. So we're just going to start off today talking about uh, the this process from start to finish. So probably the biggest, uh, most important thing to begin with, obviously, is to choose a uh, real estate professional that you're comfortable working with and that's going to have your best interests at heart. Um, I think also before we go to, you know, to the real estate agent, I think you have to look at is, is what's not working with where you are now because there's always a need that comes up before you, you get to a real estate agent. Yeah. So is it too small? Are you trying to get on the real estate ladder? Are you trying to move for schools? Are you trying to, you know, move closer to work, closer to transit? Mm-hmm. Like really find out what's not working because before you meet with a real estate agent, you gotta know what are you looking for? Because this is not just a place to live, it's it's actually, you know, a home. Yes, and you should have all those answers um, top of mind because uh, if when you do find a, a, a good professional, they will want to do a, a, what we always do, a buyer consultation with all of our new buyers, uh, where we just sort of sit down and we find out all those those things from the buyer. We find out, you know, like Jeff said, where are you living now? Uh, what's not working about what, where you're living now? What are we hoping to achieve? What's important? What's, what are must-haves? What are nice-to-haves? Uh, all those kinds of things before we start the search we have we try to gather a lot of information and find out exactly what you're looking for Uh, we do also go through the buying process um, and what's going to be required which we're going to discuss in this uh, podcast but we do go through that in a buyer's consultation with our buyers too beforehand so they really know up front what what's coming up next yeah and again um, most people start looking for houses about six months online, mm-hmm. which I think online is a great tool. You start seeing things um, every year; things are getting better, especially with the the initiative with AI is really starting to explode mm-hmm. a lot of different things. But again, most people start on the internet, then they they kind of stumble onto an agent either from yeah. a referral, from an open house, or something. Yeah. So you just want to make sure that you're picking somebody that's a, that's that that's going to ask you the questions that are really you know, going to get deeper in why you're yes. trying to do a home. Like when we bought our first home, it was more for what we could afford and the nicest yeah. area we could afford. And the second home, you're looking for All specifics that are yeah. must-haves. Yeah. So once you have a real estate agent, what would you say the next biggest step in the process is? Uh, I would say the, the next biggest step would be a pre-approval. Um, that's... A, it's important to have a, um, a mortgage lender that you are comfortable with and meet with them and just more than anything it's not how much money you can get because very often the banks uh, the lenders will lend you more than you're comfortable with but it's it's more uh, fitting finding out what payment you're comfortable with and working that into um, a budget yeah so it just helps to have uh, somebody we, we record we can recommend great mortgage brokers uh, or you may have one yourself but that's a good first step because um, we need to have a good understanding of your comfort level um, with your payments before we can kind of come up with a general budget and start looking so that we can make sure we keep you in that, within that budget and I think a lot of people get afraid of going to a mortgage broker there seems to always be a lot of resistance for from buyers to get commitment yeah, to, yeah. And, and the thing is it, it, it shouldn't ever be a fear because a 
If you, Dave, are pre-approved you for a million dollars and you want to spend 900, that's fine. You don't have to spend what you're pre-approved for. But the, the biggest thing with pre-approval, besides even knowing what you can afford, is especially in, in the rates right now, it's locking down a rate. Mm-hmm. We're recommending a lot of people right now go to a one or two year fi- uh, fixed rate because the anticipation is in the next couple of years, interest rates will come down. And um, and again, uh, people get caught up in interest rates right now. And you gotta you gotta marry the house and date the rate. Mm-hmm. So so the rate you can you, you know change at some point in the future. Yeah, but and it's also important I think uh, from the other side of the table's perspective. Like when when I have a listing and the buyer's agent is presenting a, an offer to me, even though I mean financing conditions are common again now, but I still like to ask questions as to you know has this person been pre-approved. Uh, get a little bit of an understanding that they they have so so there's a it presents a stronger offer for you right. as well if you can say that you've at least gone through the pre-approval process and again like I was mentioning earlier internet's a great tool great things but again what your pre-approval online is what the rate is online yeah. is usually not the same it's either either too low or too high it's never usually the, yeah. the exact rate and number two is the interest rate they fill in you don't know what the current rates are there's a posted rate and then there's a discounted rate you work with a mortgage broker you always get the discounted rate you work with a the bank they give you maybe half of the discounted rate unless somebody else gives you something yeah, better than they match contact with the yeah bank. exactly yeah. so what is the pre-approval process like what do mortgage lenders usually need from the buyer uh, mortgage lenders are going to need obviously uh, your you know proof of income, uh, probably your at last few NOAs, uh, T4s, that kind of thing, just to see um, your income. Then they're obviously going to want to know all your other financial liabilities or um, commitments, so they can factor that in because they work on a gross debt ratio uh, that you can have. Uh, then they'll also want to know how much down payment you plan on having, where that's coming from. Uh, they'll pull obviously a credit report, you know, the things that you would expect. Um, but you're going to need to provide some type of proof of income. Yeah, pay stubs. So usually you need a letter from your employer Somebody, yeah. that you're saying that you're you're currently employed, and then they'll they'll work out the diff the different scenarios mm-hmm. again. Um, we were both self-employed when we bought our place. That's there's more hoops to kind of drunk. It's more tricky. But again, we did it. Like good it's, mortgage it's a good mortgage broker because yeah. there's so many people that are are self-employed now. The gig economy. Look at Uber drivers. They got part-time income. They got full-time yeah. income. There's all kinds of different ways that that comes through. Yes. Once you've narrowed down your search with an agent and met with a mortgage broker to find out how much you can afford, what's the next step? This is the fun part. Yes. Everybody loves his car, so, so once you've figured out, um, and we've figured out what you're looking for, how much is a comfortable budget for you, and we've got that um, pretty much pre-approved from a, a reputable lender, then we get the fun part of going out and looking. So um, that's obviously every the step that everyone would prefer to jump to, uh, but we do get to that step at this point, and, and that's when we start going out and we look at homes, and I think there's really no right or wrong uh, choice. I mean, it's, it's up to the individual. They, it's whatever they feel is the right home for them. Uh, we don't. We try not to put our own. We obviously give advice if we see something. We're very definitely going to let them know. You know, this is this could be a problem, or you know, you're, it is facing a school. Are you okay with that? It's going to be we very quiet in the summer, but in, you know, yeah, nine and three, it's going to be busy. Uh, those kinds of things. We point 
we point things out. Um, I think the biggest know. mistake though when we talk about um, going out and again it's the most exciting part but people there's a resistance to seeing lots of homes they feel they don't want to waste their time yeah they want to do an open house they want to do do things and to me I think the more houses you see the better it is sure. because then you get better perspective yeah. of what's going on and if we you get see, a better sense yeah, exactly yeah. what what you know that's why we always rate a house out of 10 what do you rate this house because then we start getting a feel for what what you yeah. want and and then do pros and cons on something that you decide you you want mm -hmm. and then you know the worst thing for me is that I show somebody three houses and they want to buy one and I'm thinking hmm, we haven't really seen a lot of houses right. and, and yeah. I don't think you're going to do a, a good service to yeah. yourself That's true. and um, I think that going to open houses is fantastic but the problem is with open houses is that the agents got fiduciary duties to get the highest price for the seller mm -hmm. so from a buyer's perspective you're not getting the full, they, yeah. they might not point out the furnaces beyond life expectancy. The roof needs to be you're done next year. Exactly. And then we can, age. you know, and the other thing I think when you're going through houses, um, whether you're you're with an agent or an opener, you should never talk about how much you love a house because I assume and I tell all buyers you're being recorded or assume you're being recorded. Ring doorbells. There's all kinds of things. So kinds of you should things. never, you know, say, wow, this is my dream home. And then all yeah. of a sudden the, the seller hears that through their various devices and then you've lost all your perspectives of negotiating. That's true. All right, so once I found the right home, what's the next step? So once we found the right home and you're excited about it, what we like to do is provide you with some data as far as uh, comparable sales in the area so that we can together come up with a strategy and a price point that we think is fair for the home. Uh, so we do that by, like I said, uh, coming up with some comparable sales. We sit down, we walk you through them and like I said together we just sort of come up with this is where we think the range of value is for us anyway um, and and then we position a strategy on where to start yeah and I think that's important too is that is that a lot of a lot of people if we know a property you know and one of our agents was working on something the property's been on the market for 180 days seller or buyers some tend to have um, hesitation about going in lower than a certain comfort loan. They'll mm -hmm. say, well, we'll wait until it comes down. No, I think you should be going in at market value and, and going in, yes, it might be low, but if the house has been on the market 180 days, mm -hmm. there's only a couple reasons why. Most likely, it's overpriced. Yeah. Or number two, the seller's not that motivated. They don't have to sell. They don't. They're testing the market, yeah. and you know they're they're still hung up on to you yeah, know so last that, January. That's really the first step. Prices. The first step is we determine whether we think the house is priced well. Sometimes it, sometimes they are, and that's great. Um, from there, once we've decided what our offering price is going to be, uh, then we prepare an offer. Uh, it has all the clauses that are required for to protect the buyer. Uh, we definitely. In most cases, unless you know the market we just came out of, we had less opportunity to put these conditions in, but they're back now. So we've got financing conditions, which is usually five business days. Even though you've been pre-approved, it just gives that formal um, final uh, sign-off on the uh, property that you're buying. Uh, so we make sure we get that. There's a home inspection condition very often, in which case we take in a qualified home inspector and just have you know, the major mechanics checked, the roof, the foundation, all those kinds of things. Um, if it's a condominium, we're going to check the status certificate. Um, and then if there's any other clauses that we think are needed, for instance, if there's a swimming pool, we always put a clause in there to cover that off in the winter, especially if you're buying in the winter and we can't check 
or if it's a cottage or something, there's well water, yeah, there's exactly. there's septic so, tanks, there's those types of things. Yeah. yeah. So we prepare the offer uh, paperwork and uh, submit the offer. We negotiate the terms uh, on your behalf with the other agent, and hopefully we come to a conclusion that uh, makes everyone happy. What does it mean if it's as that they're holding an offer date on the property? Offer dates we we saw predominantly in the last uh, few years Probably is 10 when, years. Yeah, is when um, a property is brought to the market, let's say on a Monday, it's available for showing so people can see it, it's marketed to the, um, to the public, but offers are not entertained until a certain date, which is usually typically seven days later. So for instance, if we bring it out on a Monday, very often we'll say the offer date is the following Monday, so during that week of showings, uh, there's no offers that are that are recent. And usually the properties at market value or lower to to try to get the stimulation of, of buyers because again for sellers selling your house having to keep it clean all the time if you've got kids if you've got animals and stuff is hard so the offer date process appealed to a lot of people appeal to to the sellers because they have it for one week they also yeah. appeal to the buyers because if they wanted to go away for a weekend and the new house came out they were worried they'd miss out mm -hmm. so the offer date even though the competition the buyers didn't love but they love that okay i've got until yeah, a little bit of time this time and i think also for sellers too it was almost like necessary because if we didn't have an offer date in that crazy hot market it would literally sell the first now. day and nobody would get in to see it yeah and and here's the other thing is Offered or offer dates are gone or pretty much gone mm -hmm. and somewhat coming back. Yeah. Why is there multiple offers? Well, because there's multiple offers right now because it's a, it's there's no supply. There's massive demand. Even you can take all the stuff in the media. There's still demand every time. This week, I think we sold three houses. There was competition in all of them, all because the market dictates the price. It's it's supply and demand. It's it's only worth what buyers going to pay and sellers willing to yeah. sell it for. So what happens if you have to compete in a multiple offer scenario? First question I always ask people is, is the house is listed at X? And you have to ask yourself, what is it worth to you? So if it sells for, let's say it's listed for a million, and it sells for a million and one, and you offered a million, you have to be happy walking away from the price that, that, that it went for. Because again, emotions are high, and that's what we as agents are there to to yeah, from keep. on the same point, you know, make sure you're not going to go uh, get swept up in your emotions exactly. and go crazy over either. So because I, I think that um, you 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 definitely have to prepare. We give you comps. We tell you what we think it's worth. But ultimately, if we say it's worth a million dollars and you you want to do a million ten because your mother lives on the street and you know long term it's going to be something that's going to save you thousands of dollars every month in childcare, then yeah, then it then it makes sense. But ultimately, you you have to decide. So you want to make sure that you're you're going into a multiple offer. You want to make sure you're pre-approved because you're probably going to have to go in with no finance condition. You're probably going to want to again. Um, walk through the house with a home inspector because you can do a pre-home inspection if there's if they're here in multiple offers uh, Again multiple offers depending on your price they can accept some conditions because if your price is better than everybody else you're going to be uh, you're going to uh, be You know maybe considered but most sellers like a firm deal because then they know what their house is sold and they move on Yeah, I would say the the it's just the strategy is completely different with with competing offers versus non-competing offers. 
because it's all about the leverage, right? So if you're if we're a single offer and we're the only offer on the table, that's different. And I, we're trying to get you know put all kinds of wish list things into the offer and try to um, negotiate our terms, whatever's better for us as as most as much as possible. If we're competing and now the the seller is the one that holds leverage because they've got five offers, not just ours. It's a completely different strategy because now we're looking at, okay, how do we make our office offer the most appealing to the seller? So as a buyer agent, it's very important to have a good um, relationship with the selling agent and ask a lot of good questions. You know, what is your seller's preferred closing date? So we're not now uh, working on as much our, what, what's best for us, but how do we make it best for the seller? Mm -hmm. Obviously we have to be able to live with it, that's something. So it's just sort of the strategy behind how to present the offer changes when you're competing. That's and again, I think that because we've you, you, you again one agent that's been around the block a few times with competing offers mm -hmm. because I've had offers accepted that have been lower in price than, than so other they offers feel more confident because in your exactly offer. they, they, you know when they ask about the pre-approval and you have confidence to say these people are pre-approved. Other mm -hmm. people say, well, they're kind of pre-approved. They're kind or of I like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't give the agent. If we're accepting an offer, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence no. to take that offer. If I, if the person's, if the other agents is humming and hawing. Yeah, no, it's true. And I, as a, a listing agent, I like to ask questions yeah. about the buyers. You know, what do they do for a living? If the agent doesn't know, then how much do they know this agent? Yeah. There's not a lot of confidence that, 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 that how this do they person. Know, how well do they know the buyer? <laughs> After you prepare the offer, what happens next? So once the offer is prepared, then it then we go to work. Uh, this is where we really go to work and um, present the offer, negotiate the offer on the buyer's behalf. So uh, I always try, we always try, I should say, to wherever possible, I mean, COVID has changed a lot of things as we all know, but wherever possible, I always try to present in person if possible, um, because you can, you can build a connection, you can build some rapport with the with the seller and the seller's agent in person a lot easier than you can by email, for instance. I mean, if if we're, I'm not able to get in front of the seller, I at least make sure I have a voice-to-voice a, a -voice conversation with the buyer's agent and uh, tell them a little bit about my buyers, um, give them some, like Jeff was saying earlier, some reassurance that um, I'm very confident in their profile uh, if this is a strong offer, um, you know, if, if you have any concerns about any of the terms of the offer, let me know, let's talk about it. So um, it's it's important if we don't get face-to-face -face that we at least have a verbal voice-to-voice uh, -voice conversation. And also this is where the negotiation comes back, mm -hmm. you know, in a normal case, let's say you're, you know, you're $50,000 under list price, you're negotiating back and forth, it could take a few time, a few tries, it could almost yeah. take a couple of days. Um, the, especially in the market that's going on now. Again, we're seeing that less and less. We're seeing more and more multiple offers coming back again. But um, that's where we, you, you know, it takes time. Yes. So that that's basically it. the offer gets submitted. One of three things happen: either can get rejected outright, which doesn't usually happen. Um, it can be accepted by the um, seller, which which case is great. Or nine times out of ten, especially when it's the initial offer, it gets counter offered. So the seller will change some terms, usually the price very often, or but not just that, sometimes the closing date, maybe any of the inclusions that they don't want to include, uh, some of the, the uh, clauses or conditions that we've put in that they're not comfortable with, and then it comes back to us 
Then we sit down again with our buyers, review the uh, counter offer and build our strategy from there. Okay, um, you know, they've come down this much. At, at this stage, where do we want to take it to? Where do we want to go next? Um, do we want to give some concessions to get other concessions? You know, that kind of thing. So we sort of go back and forth. Yeah, we negotiate mm -hmm. back and forth until one of the parties gets to a point where they're like, that, that works for me. Okay, and we hopefully have a deal. And what happens once your offer is accepted? Once the offer is accepted, uh, we have a little celebration. And then um, the, the deposit is due. So whatever the deposit was in the offer, it, it is due within 24 hours of acceptance. So if we accept the offer at 8, 10 p.m. tonight, that's all great. We have until 8 p.m., 8, 10 p.m. tomorrow to get the deposit delivered to the listing agents. I'm certified funds. Like yes, bank so that can be done by um, direct transfer. bank deposit, uh, wire transfer, money, uh, bank draft or money order. It has to be negotiable, negotiable funds. So we take care of that, uh, help in that uh, regard and deliver it uh, to the listing agent's office within that time period. And then the date of acceptance of the offer. So if we accepted it, like I said, in this example, eight ten that night, the first day of the conditions starts the next day. So if we had a five business day financing condition, the next day would be considered our first, first, uh, first day. And weekends and holidays. So then we would start um, our, uh, obviously firing it off to the mortgage broker, that book the home inspection, do all the, the due diligence things that we have to do within that conditional period uh, and make sure we're satisfied before we uh, move forward. So once you've satisfied the conditions, what does that mean? So once we, uh, whatever the conditions are, if it's financing and home inspection, for example, uh, then we, uh, we get word from the mortgage broker that we're good to go. Then we have to sign what's called a notice of fulfillment. That is a one page document that we have to sign within that conditional period and provide to the seller saying that we've fulfilled our conditions. Once we fulfill all our conditions, then we have what's called a firm offer and it is a binding agreement between both parties and it's a done deal. And then we go high five. You've got a firm <laughs> closing date. Yep. So then you get excited. You know you're moving in, let's say May 1st or whatever it is. And then um, the next thing that happens, you have usually two visits back. Mm -hmm. We always tell people to leave a visit for the last couple of days. So you can go in and check appliances. Just yep. just check that if there's they've agreed to sure there's there's debris or anything that's out. And again, 99.9% .9 of times we never have issues with this. Like some people will say, well, we got to make sure to sell Everyone's decent people. Most people are just mm -hmm. decent people. Mostly. And if there's a couple of things that are there, we just tell the agent, oh, by the way, they left a box or, or something, mm -hmm. get some clarification. But it is a good idea. It's a, it's a great idea. And it's basically, you know, it says they take measurements. Basically, you just want to visit the house, get excited, yeah. they can, you bring, can. Some, Sometimes bring your parents or to something. Do. Sometimes people will bring a contractor, contractor they want to get true. a quote mm -hmm. going or something like that. But yeah, for the most part, it's just to see it again and make some furniture yeah. plans and that kind of the just, last visit is more for that as well, but also to just to check yep. to make sure everything is good. There's no new holes in the wall that weren't there before. Yeah, exactly. Is there any additional information I have to give to my realtor once the offer is accepted? Uh, yes. So when the offer is accepted, uh, we need 
a few things. Actually, we, this is ahead of the offer, uh, but, but you're going to have to provide a photo identification to your agent. That should be before the offer, uh, which is basically for FinTrack. It's uh, government This is basically, it's to prove that you are who you are. Yes. For money laundering purposes. Right. It's basically exactly. what it is so, in a nutshell. Yeah. So you do have to provide that. When you give the deposit, another uh, government regulation is that we have you have to provide the account number from which the deposit funds were withdrawn uh, because we have to submit that to the government as well, which again is the same thing. It's money laundering. And, and some people have some resistance around that. It's not us agents. It's just a government requirement no, because of, of money us. laundering. So obviously some bad people were doing some bad things and hence why they bring in it's, this It's policy. all for, to protect the consumer. So yeah. Exactly. And what happens on closing day? On closing day, it's very exciting. So uh, really what happens behind the scenes is this is where your lawyer comes in, the real estate lawyer. So um, an easy explanation of what happens on closing day is the buyer's lawyer uh, is responsible for coordinating with the mortgage lender and all that kind of stuff and getting the, um, well, he actually checks title first, but that's two weeks before closing. He'll check title and make sure it's all free and clear so there's going to be no holdups on closing day. On actual closing day, the funds have to get to the seller's lawyer. Once the seller's lawyer has received all the funds, that could be a, um, a combination of your deposit and your uh, down payment and your mortgage balance. Once he's got that total balance, uh, then he uh, actually transfers title. So he would transfer it to, from the current owner's name to the new owner's name. The keys are given uh, either in uh, a code to the lockbox or which is more common now. It used to be lawyer to lawyer, but since COVID we do it a little bit more with lockboxes now, which is actually easier for everyone. Um, they get the keys and- And it's your home. And if you buy with us, you get uh, pizza delivered. <laughs> <laughs> and you saw a movie truck. Yeah, exactly. And the movie truck. Hope you guys find this helpful. Again, if you, you've got any more questions, because all of this is driven by consumer questions, things that we get emailed and stuff. If you have any further questions, because we'd love to, to give you guys the information you want, email Marianne at admin at johnson-team.com. That's admin johnson or hyphen team.com we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast and answering some more great questions thank you thank you